I said, I'm not taking anything. I, I, I've committed to putting the oxygen mask on my face because if I don't take care of myself, I know that I can't take care of my six children. Yeah. So I committed to every single morning getting up and I didn't feel like it. I thought I was going to die. I got up my little tail out of that bed and I ran five miles every morning. Then I got my six children out of the bed and got them breakfast and I took them to church every single morning for the first year. Get ready because here I come. Hey there, and welcome to the Just Boldly Go podcast, where I help women face their fears, set goals, and take imperfect action towards creating a life they can't wait to get out of bed for every single day. If you'd like to see what we have going on, you can head over to justboldlygo.com. And if you're a women-owned business, we'd love to invite you to join our women-owned business directory at sheowns.org. Here I come. All right, today I would like to welcome Venus Morris Griffin, who has got an absolutely amazing story. And I'm I'm gonna let you you go for it and tell me. Tell us all about it. So, you know, I speak all over the country now, share my story in the hopes of helping other people who go through adversity because you know, life can be tough and sometimes you you feel like you're alone and everybody else has it figured out. And really none of us really do. We're trying to figure out every day, every step of the way. And so my story, um, I was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, I was married right at 20 years. I had six children ranging. For, I had one breastfeeding. Um, so one year to 15 years. And, you know, I was the room mom, PTO president, caregiver. And um, my husband worked outside of the home and you know, we met in college and, you know, everybody called us the Barbie and Ken of Augusta. And, um, you know, I thought we really kind of would be together forever. We went to um, church every Sunday. We sat on the front row together. You know, he coached the football team, the basketball team, the soccer team. And, you know, we had lunch together every day. And, you know, I thought, you know, we had our own share of issues and, uh but nothing that I ever thought would devastate our family or, or break our family up. And so I tell people that your life can literally change in 10 seconds and you, you really have to decide what you're going to do with that. And literally that's what happened to me in, in 10 seconds, my life changed. I got, it was in the middle of the night and I'll never forget. My husband was out of town on a, on a business trip. And um, I got a phone call from this prostitute and, you know, she, she tells me, you know, Venus, you don't know who I am, but my name is Jamie and I'm, I'm here to tell you what a horrible man you're married to. And he's been cheating on you for years with multiple prostitutes. And, you know, we've basically taken everything out of your bank accounts. You have no money. Um, and your whole life is basically just a lie. And so of course this, you know, a lot of times you see women, especially, and everybody around them is like, there's no way you could know this. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, but literally, I mean, the whole community was floored. When I got that phone call, I woke my son up, who was my oldest, who was 15 at the time, and I said, listen, I've got to go meet somebody. 
listen out for your baby brother who was a year and sleeping and, you know, call me if there's any problems and I'll be back as soon as I can. So I'll never forget, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, this is how naive I was. I'm thinking, okay, who is this lady trying to tear our family apart? You know, yeah. there's, there's no way what she's saying is, is true. And so the whole way I'm going to meet with her at this very scandalous hotel off of Washington Road. And in my mind, the whole time I'm thinking, okay, I've got to help my husband. Um, I've got to prove his innocence because I knew he would, he would never do this. I mean, we, you know, we had six children together, you know, we'd yeah. been married 20 years. And so I'll never forget. I, I drive up to this hotel behind the Denny's and, um, knock on this door, this hotel room door. And this very young girl comes in and she's probably, she's very, very small. I'm, I'm about, I'm a, about 120 pounds size zero. She made me look big. She was so teeny. She couldn't have been more than, you know, early twenties, uh, maybe late teens. I'm not really sure how old she was, but I'll never forget. She comes to the door. She's shaking, you know, she's fidgeting with her hands and, you know, she opens the door and she's like, I'm like, you know, Jamie, thank you for meeting with me. I, I know this is kind of awkward, um, so I walk in the, the room, you know, again, looking at this girl and, you know, you would think I would hate this girl who, um, has basically just torn my whole family apart. But, you know, as a woman, all I could sit there is and think was, you know, what has happened to you to make you sell your soul to the devil? And I instantly had this connection and this compassion towards her for some odd reason. And, so she's sitting there, she's got her phone and she's actually showing me pictures of my husband telling me all of the stories, you know, your husband's been the big man, you know, he, these women take y'all's credit cards and, you know, he char they've charged everything up that they can charge, you know, all of your accounts or kids accounts, there's nothing there. And, um, evidently my husband had gotten kind of verbally abusive to her and she, that's why she called to, um, uh tell tell on her but she's showing me pictures with her phone and you know my husband's naked in these pictures you know riding down the road naked like pants down and just you know so at this point okay I'm like all right so she's not making this up because obviously she's got these very incriminating you know messages and you know so um you know I'm sitting there and the phone rings and um it was it was my husband on the other line and I answer the phone. She, she shows me his number and I answer the phone and I'm like, you know, oh my God, how could you do this to your, your children? And how could you do this to me? And what, you know, and I was absolutely devastated and wasn't really sure what to do with the information. And, um, you know, he was hysterical and, um, you know, just, all over the place saying he was innocent. And of course I know he's at least at a minimum been very promiscuous with all of these women because I've got yeah. the, got the pictures. So, you know, I'll never forget. So the, the girl, I'm trying to help the girl. I, I didn't have two cents to rub together, but I had just gotten my real estate license literally um, a few months before. And I had one or two closings and I just, I said, you know, I don't have any money right now, but you need to get your life straight I wrote her a hundred dollar check and I said, but you need to wait a few days before you cash because there's no money in my accounts now, especially, you know, knowing that he's drained yeah. anything and get yourself back up to Atlanta, get yourself straight and I'll help you because you don't have to be a prostitute. You've got, you know, the whole world at your fingertips. So weirdly we made this bond and 
I leave the hotel room. I'll never forget driving back on Washington Road thinking, oh my God, you know, what do I do with this? You know, I'm a single mom. I stay home. I've got six children. And, you know, anybody can get through the good times in a relationship. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? Sex addiction, that's no different than being an alcoholic or a drug addict. It's just a different addiction that we as uh, women especially personalize. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking, you know what? I'm going to fight for my marriage. I'm going to I'm gonna save my husband. I'm going to do this for my children. I'm going to do this for myself. And we're going to be better and we're going to be stronger and, you know, I say I'm a Christian. And if I'm really a Christian, what does that mean? Does that mean you turn your back on someone when they're, you know, yeah, with, you know, and so long story short, I get back home. I'm, I'm, of course, I'm devastated. I don't, of course, tell the children anything, but his parents um, sent him to Hattiesburg, Mississippi to a sex addiction clinic. And so while he's at this sex addiction clinic, you know, you have to come clean. So we have this intervention and, you know, I fly down there with this mom and, you know, I just basically find out that my life is a complete lie. Um, you know, I thought he played Carolina football at the University of South Carolina and I'm having conversations with his mom on the plane and we've been married almost 20 years. And it's, you know, I'm saying, you know, why don't you have any pictures of, of Tripp playing football? And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you know, when he played football at Carolina, she's like, Venus, he never played football at Carolina. I'm like, what? And then I'm like, you know, I thought he played football and he stopped playing football because he had some medical. He's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh so anyway, slowly my life starts to see kind of what's going on. And, you know, part of his healing is, and still, I was still in it to win it with him, you know, till yeah. death do his part. And so while we're meeting, he's, he has to come clean with everything that he's done. And he's, you know, he's admitting to, you know, all these prostitutes for years cheating on me. He's admitting to stealing like a hundred thousand dollars from his parents to support wow. his double lifestyle. And so we go back and leave. And while he's there, I get a call from the physician there. And they said, you know, Venus, I think uh, there's some really serious issues and some legal issues of some really bad things that he's done and he's failed a polygraph test and it was regarding children. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I did some research on polygraph tests. I didn't really know how accurate they were, but the guy there said, you know, there's another type of polygraph test you can do. And it's like 99% accurate. You know, the federal government will not even hire you if you fail this test. So, mm-hmm. I had a thousand dollars. I don't know how my credit card accepted it, but I paid it because it was important to me to know if he had done these things that, you know, we thought he possibly did. And so he goes to Atlanta, gets tested there and it comes back and, and, you know, the the guy says, you know, I'm sorry, Miss Griffin or Miss Morris at the time, your husband failed it. You know, he's done all of these things and, you know, you do with what you want to do with it. So to shorten a very long story, um, over the next few months, the um, district attorney was notified by medical personnel and um, they arrested him and tried him. He went on a full trial um, and they convicted him and put him in prison for 45 years. So, you know, I go from being a stay-at-home mom that doesn't work for 20 years to, oh my God, you know, 
what do you do with this? The, the love of my life is now in prison for 45 years. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not eligible for parole for 21. You don't get child support from prison. Right. My family all lived in, you know, trailers and they were very poor, great family, really great family, but they couldn't help me financially. Yeah. I was in a two bedroom. I had, I did not even know how I was going to meet my children's basic needs. And, you know, I'll never forget meeting with the divorce attorney because once he was guilty of, of the things that he was convicted of, you know, there was no, you know, when safety is a concern, there was no working on the marriage at that point. So right. I immediately filed for a divorce and I'll never forget my divorce attorney said, you know, Venus, what are you going to do? He said, you know, you, I know you like this real estate thing, but you need to get a real job because you can't support kids on a part-time real estate career. And in case you don't know, the market's gone to hell. You know, everybody's getting out of it. It's the recession. It's 2000, you know, seven, 2009 when, when like nothing was selling and, you know, even the good agents were losing the shirt on their backs. Right. And so I said, you know, I'm okay doing that, but I first want to try. I don't want to just throw in the towel, yeah. you know, my whole life, you know, I grew up in an abusive family. My mother was in and out of rehabs. I was on the verge of homelessness and, you know, working two jobs on my own at 14 and put myself through college. I said, I have a work ethic like no one has. And I said, you know, if I put this cross down, my six kids have to pick it up. Mm-hmm. And I'm not willing to just throw the towel in without trying. And so I'll never forget driving home that day when, when, you know, he was sentenced to 45 years. And I'll, I remember sitting all six of my kids down in a circle and they were one, three, nine, 11, 13 and 15 years old. I, I sat them all down and I said, okay, so I don't know what our future looks like. I said, but I know that we are a strong family and the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to forgive your dad. And we're never, ever going to talk bad about your dad. And I am going to pick myself up and I'm going to take care of you. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to work as hard as I can work. And we're going to show this community with God and hard work and determination, you can get through anything. And I'll never forget my oldest son. I said, my oldest son says, mom, you work as hard as you can. He was, he was 15 years old. He says, I will take care of my siblings while you take care of us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just a pretty powerful moment because here we are, you know, and part of the reason I think my children are so healthy um, mentally to this day is because, you know, you, as hard as it sounds, the first thing you got to do to make your life get on track is you got to forgive the people that you know, the people that hurt you the most. And then once you let that off, then you can kind of take forward. And so, you know, it was very, very difficult. You know, my daughter was like bawling, crying. And she's like, mom, does this mean dad's not going to be able to give me away at our wedding, my wedding? And I said, you know, you know, yes, it it, it does. I said, but we're going to figure it out together. And, you know, we're not going to be victims and we're you know, we're going to get through this and we're going to be stronger. And, you know, your dad is not defined by the worst thing he's ever done. I mean, this is awful, but, you know, we're not, we're not going to focus on what he's done. We're going to focus on here's where we're at and what we can do to get better. And so, 
you know, I just remember thinking my, my divorce attorney says, Venus, what are you taking? You know, what, what, what are you taking to help get you through this time? And I said, you know, Tim, I said, I'm not taking anything. I, I I've committed to putting the oxygen mask on my face because if I don't take care of myself, I know that I can't take care of my six children. Yeah. So I committed to every single morning getting up and I didn't feel like it. I thought I was going to die. I got up my little tail out of that bed and I ran five miles every morning. Then I got my six children out of the bed and got them breakfast. And I took them to church every single morning for the first year, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. before school, dropped them off after mass and then started my day at work. And, you know, I didn't know, again, I had no back. I had nothing. I was hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. I lived in a two bedroom. I had no plan B. I had no idea how I was going to even put food in their mouth. And, you know, I just said, all I'm going to focus on is today and what I can do better today. And, and I got up every day. I didn't have any business and I put a suit on like I was this multi-million dollar producer, you know, and I went out there, I knocked on doors. If I saw a for sale sign in a yard, I would knock on the door, tell them how good I would be for them, convince them that I was the best person to sell their house. And then I would follow through and do that. And then eventually, you know, my first year I made $20,000. I had six children. My second year, I made $100,000. And that's a lot of money, but it's really not when you, you're hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. You, you're living in a two-bedroom. And you, the other thing I did was I didn't want to become this successful real estate mongol and my kids get lost, you know, because yeah. what's it all about if your kids or on drugs or alcohol or just, you know, dysfunctional. I mean, what do you, what do you do it all for? So I told my assistants, I was working 70 hours a week. And I said at five 30 from five 30 until seven, you block my calendar and I am home. I would sit all six kids down. I cooked dinner and we would go through a good thing and a not so good thing of the day. And, you know, and that let them know that no matter how crazy things were that I was, they were my top priority and we focused every day on what we could do better and it just got better, you know, and people say, you know, it is not hard to be successful. It just takes every single day getting up to committing to doing it, even when you're not seeing results. Yeah, I tell people, you know, I started working out uh, a few years ago with my daughter. She wanted to train me and I said, you know, the same thing applies in real estate. My daughter says, mom, I want, I want to help train you. She's 23 now. She says, I want to help you get a six pack. And here I'm, I've had seven kids and I'm like, okay, wanting to support her. So willing to do whatever she told me just to show her I loved her. Never thinking that I was actually going to kind of get a six pack and get in this shape. But so she says, okay, mom, you have to get up at five o'clock in the morning with me every day and go Monday through Friday to work out for two hours. And then you should start to see results in about eight months. I'm like, what? you want me to get up at five o'clock every morning, work out for two hours a day, and I should start to see results in eight months. She's like, yeah, you know, mom, just trust me. It's going to work. If you're consistent with it, just trust me. And I had no idea I had that simple principle was really the way I live my life because that's what I did. Yeah. I got up every single day and I didn't have any work, but I would, I would literally ride around looking for neighborhoods. 
if I had a for sale by owner, knock on the door, tell them how great I was and focus on those few clients that I got and do a great job. And they would tell other people about me, mm -hmm. focus on them. Every single Sunday, I did three open houses. You know, I would, I would talk to people when they came and I just sit at an open house. I mean, I connected with people. Yeah. I let them know that they were important. I let them know that I cared about more than making money. I told them, you know, how, how, how I could help them. And, in you know, going back to the workout principle, you know, month one, two, three, here I am getting up five days a week, trying to get a six pack, working out, doing all these crazy exercises, eating all these, you know, natural, you know, steamed broccoli and grilled fish and grilled chicken. And, you know, sure enough, you know, one, two, three, I'm like, I am not seeing one little ab pop out of my stomach, but, you know, month five, month six, I'm like, okay, I like see like an ab, you know, and by month eight, I had a legit six pack and was in this killer shape. And that's, that's what I tell people with, with my story, you know, I didn't get to making, you know, this year I grossed $2 million. I, I bring home seven figures consistently now. And I, you know, I didn't get there by, you know, getting up, going to work for a month and then, okay, things are slow. I'm really not cut out for this job. I think I should try something else. It's just the market's awful. You know, you get to be successful. It doesn't matter what career you're at by every day committing to being the best, getting up, you know, looking your best because the way you treat yourself really impacts how others treat you and, and ultimately determines how they're, if they're going to hire or fire you, you know? Right. And so, you know, we just figured it as, as a family and now my kids are 25, 20, 25, 23, 21, 19, 13, 11. And I, I have a five-year-old now. I remarried eight years ago. I had, I had number seven at 44. She was a surprise menopause baby, but we love her. So, um, but, but, you know, my son, he's the president of his dental school class and he's, um, about to start a senior year and I'll never forget they when when you're the president they introduce your your parent they the the president introduces to all the faculty and all the parents and all the kids they did an opening ceremony speech and he gives this very long speech and he says you know but what I have to say is when the world threw the towel in for our family nobody believed that my mom could pick the ball up with six kids with nothing and run and take care of us. No one had faith in us. My mom is the reason that I will be Dr. John Morris in four years. And so you get these, you know, payoffs 10 years later after you're working. And I can't even describe the feeling that I have that, you know, not only were we able to overcome just the biggest devastation of our life, losing their father, losing the love of my life of, of nearly 20 years, but we were able to succeed to a level that most don't succeed to yeah. under normal circumstances. But I'm no one special. And I tell people that I'm really just a normal person who just said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I am, if, you know, if I fail, my kids fail. And as long as I can look up, I can get up and I am, I'm going to do whatever it takes. You, you can be successful. And so that's, that's, that's why I share, I've got a book coming out in a few months and it is really going to be life-changing because women, especially, uh, you know, we think that when our husbands devastate us, 
that life is over and we've become bitter often and resentful and we can't overcome, you know, it, it has never one moment occurred to me that I wasn't worthy because my husband had affairs on me for seven years with prostitutes and everyone else, because, you know, I wasn't about to let his issues become my issues. And, and in sharing this story, it's very, um, you know, I show it from childhood all the way up. I think it's going to be impactful to let people know, no matter what happens to you, no matter what yeah. you come from, you can do anything. Yeah. So. I know. So it's a very timely time, I guess, that I'm talking to you right now, because I actually have two women in my life who really need to hear your story. Two women that I know of, and I'm sure that there's so many others, but my sister was married for about 20 years and her husband died of a cocaine overdose that none of us even knew he was using drugs. And all of a sudden he's dead. And we're just like, oh my God, what do you do? (laughs) What just happened? And my sister kind of fell apart. She didn't know, you know, it, it really wrecked her and she's finally getting back. But I really, I can't wait for her to hear your story. And then another, a girl who I've grown up with, I've known my whole life, her, she was married for gosh, 20 years probably. And her husband was in and out of jail the whole time they were married. She stood by him for the various things that he did. They had four kids together, but just, I mean, this is like in the process of happening. Um, An ex-girlfriend, they got divorced. She she divorced him because of all of his nonsense. He had kids with other women and whatnot. And she's been doing great. Her and her kids are doing great. And then three, four weeks ago, um, an ex-girlfriend of his goes missing. And he was arrested last week and then they found her body this week. And, you know, wow. everybody's blaming my friend and they're like, she's got to be part of it. And I'm like, don't you dare. Don't you dare. She got out away from him. She um, is not part of this. <laughs> and, you know, I can't wait for her to hear this too, just to know that. Well, you know, you know what I tell your friend? I tell, I, cause all of these things, it was a public trial and, you know, it was humiliating. We're from a very small Catholic community. And I would, my friends would tell me things, you know, you know, lovingly because they, they wanted to help me. And, but I I told them don't, unless I'm doing something wrong, it is none of my business. What people say about me, Mm -hmm. my family, don't tell me, don't listen to what people say. As long as you're doing your best, it doesn't matter what other people think about you. It doesn't matter what they say. And as you become more successful, you know, people aren't going to like you and that's just fine, you know, and and that's unfortunate, but, you know, most people can't celebrate strength and success and most people aren't happy or not most people, many people aren't happy with their own lives. And so they want to find fault, but you can't listen to that. She can't listen to that. She just, you know, just keep doing what you do. Yeah. I will make sure and tell her. And I, like I said, I can't wait for her to hear what you've gone through and where your life is now. And it's, such a powerful story. And I'm so glad you're telling it because, you know, I had my own debt stuff that I created on my own and um, paid off. And I didn't talk about it for a really long time because of the shame of it. And I realized, you know, there's a lot of people who go through a lot of similar situations and you aren't helping anybody by keeping your mouth shut. So (laughs) yeah, I am still not perfect. You know, I'm really been married for eight years. It's really hard you know, really hard. And I just say, you know, we do the best we can do. And it's not until you, you know, you can own that um, we're not defined by the worst thing we do. 
And by sharing our story, that's the only way you can help other people because, you know, people look at me now, even now, and they think I've got it all together. They think she's like perfect. And I'm like, oh my God, like I still wake up and want to cry some mornings. Yeah. You know, feel life is really hard, but you stay positive. You find the best, you, you weed the negativity out. I mean, my children and I, we are like the most positive people you will ever be around. We, as a family, we don't talk bad about people. We don't get energy out of that. And we only lift people up. And, and the way you train your mind, I've learned because I won't let myself think poorly of other people makes me think they always think the best of me, even mm. if they're not. It yeah. changes your life. The What you bring in your mind changes your life. And it makes you, I mean, I, like I'm at the office and we've got 50 closings this month and I'm like, it's so stressful. And we're like laughing and just, it's just all in how you see it. Is it right. full or, or empty, you know, and you will not, not be successful if you get up every day and you try, you will not be unsuccessful. It is impossible. Right. I love the, the part where you're talking about how, you know, you just got up every day, even when you didn't feel like it and you did what you had to do, because that's all we can do is just get up and do what needs get, to get done. And, yeah. you know, and I love the self-care bit where you, you know, ran every morning and took care of yourself first, because when you're empty, you know, it, you can't fill anybody else up. And yeah, just such a great. So great I still get up at five o'clock every morning and I go work out for two hours before I come back and get my children up. It is awful. I, <laughs> I, I don't care what people say. There's nothing glorious about getting up at five o'clock when you're exhausted. And I have a five-year-old. But, you know, you do the right thing. Like I'm in the gym and there's probably seven of us that are there that early. They're like powerhouse people, CEOs, executives, you yeah. know, multi, you know, if you want, if you want it, you can get it. And it's just yeah. a decision to make yourself doing it and know that feelings come and go. You can't depend on your feelings. I don't feel like getting out of bed because I'm going to make myself do it five days a week, period. Yeah. And so you just make yourself do the right thing every day. And, and like I said, again, my first year I made 20,000, my second year I made hundred, my third year I made 250, my fourth year, 450, 500, 700, 900. I'm, I'm broke a million a year at year seven. You know, I broke 2 million this year or last year. I can't remember. And I never money to me does not define success. Success to me is defined by what one overcomes to achieve. But from a financial standpoint, you're going to be financially okay as long as you get up and you put the legwork in. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me. Where can I send people? Your book is coming out this year, you said? Yep. My book is coming out this year. I have a um, website, Venus Morris Griffin. Um, Just Google me and they can kind of find me. I'm all over the country now and it's Right. We started a scholarship actually, because I'm, I'm paid very well to do these talks and yeah. we put half, half the money in the scholarship fund and we, we give it to a child that children give it to a child that's been, in, has a parent incarcerated. Okay. Um, a lot of times those kids don't have the grades because they're through dysfunction. You don't, it's not right. based on academics It's based on, okay, what's happened to you and um, how can we help you get to the next level? So. I love that. That's really yeah. great. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank thank you you again.